In the spring of 1883, a woman walks into the big top of a circus and opens a box of snakes. Nala Dalmajante, the so-called Hindu snake charmer, 21 years old, light brown skin, long black hair. She steps onto a raised platform, opens the box, and reaches in. One by one, she pulls out six pythons, grasping them behind the head. Their muscles squeeze and ooze. Their tongues dart in and out. Nala coils them around her head, like a turban. Finally, she takes out one last python, 12 feet long. The air is cold and damp, but the snake is unusually active. Nala lays it across her shoulders, but soon it's tightening around her throat. Nala would later tell a reporter for the St. Paul Daily Globe that she's not usually afraid of snakes. Her body is covered in little V-shaped snake bites. Once in Berlin, she says, her largest snake coiled so tightly around her that it took two men to pull it off. Another time, in Russia, a snake threw her onto her back. Not so long ago, she says, in Vienna, a snake plucked out the eye of another snake charmer. You have to be careful, she says, if not afraid. Now, as the head of the big python hisses in her right hand, and the pressure around her throat increases, she starts to grow pale. The audience gasps as she wriggles her left arm free, and then, with both hands, she pulls the snake from her throat and throws it in the box. I think the snakes know me, she tells the reporter. I have possessed strange power over them, that I cannot account for myself since girlhood. Over the next couple decades, people in Europe and America will forget about Nala Dalmajante. But she will literally become immortal somewhere else, in Africa, as the embodiment of an ancient and powerful spirit called Mamiwara, another new identity for someone who has never been what she seems. This is the Object Podcast, produced by the Minneapolis Institute of Art. The Object is made possible by generous support from Ameriprise Financial, a proud supporter of the Minneapolis Institute of Art and committed to the future of art and culture in the communities they serve. Ameriprise Financial, helping people feel confident about their financial future since 1894. Today, a story of hope and horror, faith and deception. What happens when cultures clash and new ones emerge from the wreckage? What happens to the spirit world when this world goes to pieces? I'm Tim Gehring. There's a famous song by a Nigerian musician that goes, if you see Mami Wada, never you run away. A true story, the musician has said. I've seen Mami Wada one day at the beach, the waves pulling him into the ocean toward her. Mami Wada is generous, 
but demanding. Protective, but dangerous. She can make you rich, or she can kill you. Either way, once you encounter Mami Wada, your life will never be the same, assuming you still have it. No one knows exactly where Mami Wada came from. Her name, her powers, her following. There are a lot of water spirits in Nigeria and Benin and Ghana and Togo that seem to have been around forever. Though Mami Wada became the most powerful of them all. She might have been inspired by manatees. Or, more likely, by the ships of Portuguese sailors arriving in West Africa in the early 1400s. The prows of the ships decorated with carvings of mermaids. A European invention, right? Half fish, half woman. Before this, contact between Africans and Europeans was across the Sahara, the desert. And now, starting in 1415, here come these mermaid ships across the ocean, like water spirits, promising trade and wealth and sickness and destruction. Like Mamiwata herself, once colonialism finds you, it never really goes away. Everything is tangled up now, even her name. A kind of pigeon English, apparently, for Mother Water. At first, the Portuguese trade for things like gold and ivory and pepper, and the kingdoms of West Africa prosper. But soon enough, the mermaid ships start looking for people. One night in 1441, after acquiring some seal skins and oil, a Portuguese captain calls his 21 sailors together and tells them of his plan to increase their profits. How fair a thing would it be, he tells them, if we, who have come to this land for a cargo of such petty merchandise, were to meet with good fortune and bring the first captives before the presence of our prince. That night, they raid a peninsula of North Africa and capture less than 12 people. But Pope Nicholas V soon grants Portugal the right to enslave sub-Saharan Africans arguing that the threat of slavery will be a deterrent against, quote, barbarous behavior. He orders the Portuguese king to invade, search out, capture, vanquish, and subdue all Saracens and pagans whatsoever, and to reduce their persons to perpetual slavery, and to apply an appropriate to himself and his successors, the kingdoms, dukedoms, counties, principalities, dominions, possessions, and goods, and to convert them to his and their use and profit. Hundreds of thousands of Africans are enslaved by the Portuguese, baptized, shackled, and placed on ships back to Lisbon. Mami Wada becomes known as the foreign spirit, Always from somewhere else, right? Someplace other. Half fish, half person. She is a mystery, like the Europeans. The spirits who come by water. Mami Wada often appears to people in a dream. One girl is called in a dream to collect clay from three different rivers and then to go to the sea. 
There, the waters part, and the girl walks into the sea. A door appears, and behind it is Mamiwara. Sometimes Mamiwara appears by ventriloquism or possession, a voice from somewhere else. Sometimes she reveals herself only after you have sex with her, thinking she's someone else. And then she wants you all to herself, or else. She is, like all gods and goddesses, demanding. Well, the African slave trade doesn't stay in Portugal for long, right? Pretty soon the English, the French, and the Spanish are like, what the hell, Pope? We're Christian too. And start sailing down the West African coast, raiding the Portuguese settlements and the African towns for slaves. And, of course, slavery doesn't stay in Europe, right? By the early 1500s, enslaved Africans are being taken across the Atlantic. Of the 12 million Africans eventually taken to the Americas, almost half are taken to Brazil. And there especially, along with Suriname and Haiti and Cuba and elsewhere in the Caribbean, Mamiwata comes too. The spirit from somewhere else. There are stories of enslaved Africans in the Americas telling their masters they can't work some days because Mamiwata has demanded their time. Quote, it sometimes happens that one or the other of the black slaves either imagines truthfully or out of rascality pretends to have seen and heard an apparition or ghost, which they call Water Mama, which the ghost would have ordered them not to work on such or such a day but to spend it as a holy day. To spend it as a holy day for offering with the blood of a white hen. To sprinkle this or that at the waterside and more of that monkey business. Soon there are bans on Mamiwara and other African-based religions like voodoo and obeya and even dancing itself, seeking to stop the, quote, monkey business and get people back to work. In Jamaica, the ban refers to the, quote, wicked art of Negroes going under the appellation of Obeya men and women, pretending to have communication with the devil and other evil spirits, using blood, feathers, parrots, beaks, dog's teeth, alligator's teeth, broken bottles, grave dirt, rum, eggshells. It's for their own good, the colonial leaders say. The devil is in the dancing. Everyone knows someone who's been abducted by spirits like Mamiwara. Best not to mess around. Of course, Mamiwara is not just a jealous spirit. Some people abducted by Mamiwara never return, but others return with new powers. And when the slave ships are crossing the Atlantic and children are being thrown overboard, Mamiwara, it said, carries their souls back to Africa. Let's jump ahead a bit to the 1880s in Hamburg, Germany, where a man named Karl Hagenbach runs a zoo featuring exotic animals and people. At first, he's presenting people from Samoa and the Sami of northern Finland with their sleds and reindeer. But by the 1880s, He's also displaying Egyptians and Inuit people from the Arctic. He has a man named Breitweiser, who often procures animals for him, 
especially snakes. And one day, Brightvisor supposedly returns from a trip to Asia with a new wife, from Borneo or Samoa, who knows how to handle snakes. She performs under the name Mala Damajot. But within a few years, a woman is showing up in circuses in the United States as the Hindu snake charmer, a woman with dark eyes and long dark hair. Her name taken from the husband and wife characters in the Indian epic the Mahabharata, Nala and Damajante. Nala Damajante tells one reporter that she's from Connecticut and another that she's from the French settlements of Judea and another that she's from the French provinces of India. Perhaps Nala Damajante is more than one person. Perhaps she's played by a Samoan at first and then someone else. Roma, perhaps, or Middle Eastern. But when the snake coils around her neck in Fourpaw Circus in 1883, and she talks to reporters afterward, they note a strong French accent. Finally, when someone sues her, mistaking her for someone else, and she's in a hurry to take her box of eight boa constrictors aboard a boat for Hamburg. She says, Okay, okay. My name is Emily Poupon, born on July 4, 1861, in Provence. Emily Poupon is not from Samoa or Borneo. Nor is she married to a German snake dealer named Breitweiser. She's a former nanny, a governess for a French family in St. Petersburg, Russia. If you can picture her there, in Russia, as a teenager, 18 or 19, dark skin, curly hair, an outsider, perhaps you can imagine the day she meets a human fly, a ceiling walker, Someone who strolls upside down around the tent of a circus. A British man named John Palmer. Emily falls in love. And John teaches her how to work with snakes. They tour America with Four Paws Circus. With its 80-foot big top and its 25 elephants. And the world's strongest man and the gorilla man. And the Australian wild children. She, the Hindu snake charmer. He, the prodigious palmer, human fly. And then they tour with its rival, P.T. Barnum Circus. And in the spring of 1886, she marries the human fly in England. Together, they tour Europe, and she joins the Folie Bergère Cabaret in Paris. Of the many performers who have visited Madison Square, notes the New York Daily Tribune in 1885, none has attracted more interest or proved more fascinating than the snake charming of Nala Damajante. The paper says she has a strange and weird personality and describes her taking a large snake in her mouth just behind the head and shaking it Quote, as a terrier shakes a rat. What is the most dangerous part of your job, she's asked. Strangulation, she says. 
Nala Damajanti seems to have inspired a series of automata in 1907. These incredibly intricate mechanical dolls of a snake charmer. That same year, Henri Rousseau paints one of his best-known works, also seemingly inspired by Nala Damajanti, called The Snake Charmer. But by then, prodigious Palmer, the human fly, has died. And it's not clear what's become of Emily. There's no record of her whereabouts in the 20th century, or her death. By World War I, all that's left of Nala Damajanti are the circus posters that feature her, made nearly 40 years earlier. A woman with light brown skin and big black hair, in vaguely eastern clothing, a pink and blue and gold, holding a giant snake. She looks like a priestess, a tarot card, someone from another world. As early as 1887, her posters had begun appearing in Nigeria, carried from Germany by sailors or traders. Soon they spread to a dozen other countries. And almost immediately, she's seen as Mamiwata, the literal image of the ancient spirit. She has arrived like the spirit by water, a figure from someplace foreign, far away, across the sea. In the 1950s, when a poster of hers reproduced by an Indian company for the African market, she is suddenly everywhere in the African diaspora. Artists making images of Mamiwara modeled them after the poster, like the wood carving now at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, made sometime in the 1950s. Mamiwara, the African spirit, becomes a Hindu snake charmer, who is actually French. There's a book called Awakening the Ancient Power of Snake, where this story of cultural transfer is repeated, and the author imagines why a snake suits the nature of this mysterious water spirit, perhaps because it rarely travels in a straight line, or because it makes use of nature to propel itself, or because it can change itself as the situation demands. But there's also something powerful about a female snake charmer, right? Male snake charmers often call their creatures from a basket using an instrument and often defang them or drug them or sew their mouths shut. But women usually hold them, drape their bodies with them. There are no tricks. Come, I'll show you, Emily says to a reporter one day when she is young and strong and a star of Four Paws Circus. She treats her snakes, she says, the way a mother treats her child, bathing them every Saturday night, feeding them well, live rabbits and ducks every eight days or so. She walks to the menagerie tent, finds a big red box, and unlocks it. And inside is an enormous python, some 18 feet long, Emily has wrapped it lovingly in a blanket. There's a new film out this year called Mamiwata, made by an African director, which premiered at Sundance. 
about a priestess of Mamiwara in a small village in West Africa. For so long, this priestess has been an intermediary between the water spirit and the people. But when a young boy dies, people begin to question her power. And when a stranger arrives, bearing new technology, followed by men with guns, the rift grows. Where should the village place its faith? With nature and the spirits, or with man and force? Many men have never been comfortable with the power of women, right? Which perhaps explains the nature of water spirits, mysterious female beings connected to someplace beyond understanding. They can take or leave men, a quality as attractive to their female followers as it is discomforting to men. The filmmaker of Mamiwara says the story came to him one day when he fell into a trance, the way Mamiwara often appears to her followers. I had this vision, he says, of a beach where I saw this young woman walking towards the ocean, and she walks right past me and heads toward the goddess. This has been the Object Podcast, produced by the Minneapolis Institute of Art and made possible with support from Ameriprise Financial. I'm Tim Gehring. New episodes drop every month. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. And thanks very much for listening.